Okay, so far we have, we have seen the object of our prayer in session one as we continue our six-week study based on the model prayer. Uh, today we'll be looking at uh, session two, a prayer of praise, prayer of praise. So let me give you the setting. Here's the setting for our study today. Jesus had given attention to teaching his disciples how to pray. In his instruction, he pointed to the necessity of honoring the name of the Lord as holy. What he taught them connected with Psalm 96, 1 to 9, in which God's people had been directed to honor his holy name as they worshiped him. Portion of the psalm can be found in David's call to celebrate when the Ark of the Covenant was brought to Jerusalem, as we read in 1 Chronicles chapter 16. So with that in mind, let's turn to page 77 and look at our first question. What's a name you associate with greatness? What's a name you associate with greatness? When you hear that name, you automatically think of greatness. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven, okay. Champion. Huh? Champion. Champions, okay. Any name in particular that you could think of? Probably a person. Huh? Or your most, most, what is the now that you're most? <laughs> <laughs> your most wonderful. <laughs> What's this new title of the part of the day, is that? Like the most, the most, the most honorable. honorable? <laughs> Billy Graham. Billy Graham. That's right. That's that's a, that's a good one. Okay. When we think of a name of greatness, we think of a giant in the area of evangelism and reaching souls for Christ. Billy Graham. Any others? Mahatma Gandhi. Mahatma Gandhi. Okay. Miles Monroe. Miles Monroe. Okay. Any others? Yeah. Earl Weish. Earl Weish. Yes. Okay. I'm looking forward to meeting him. Yeah. Hmm? Mother Teresa. Okay. Mother Sarai. What about Martin Luther? Oh, yes. The first one? Yes. Okay. And of course, the second one uh, is, is one. okay too. Okay, so whenever we think of, of greatness, we, some person or personality would come to mind. Okay, let's look at uh, Bible Meets Life. We associate one name with the assassination of President Abraham Lincoln, John Wilkes Booth. Most people have forgotten Booth, had co-conspirators, but one American family can't forget. The descendants of Dr. Samuel Mudd are still attempting to clear their family name. After Booth shot the president, he jumped from the balcony to the stage and broke his leg. He escaped and made it to Dr. Mudd's farm in Maryland. Dr. Mudd set his leg and allowed Booth to rest. When Mudd learned of the assassination the next day, he alerted the authorities. Unfortunately, Dr. Mudd became a suspect. He was convicted of conspiracy and sentenced to life in prison. President Andrew Johnson later pardoned him, but a question lingered. Was Dr. Mudd innocent? 
Samuel Mudd's descendants believe his name and theirs has never been cleared. In fact, our language now has a phrase for someone who is unpopular or questionable. His name is Mudd. M-U-D-D. <laughs> our names are important to us. Without question, one name above all others deserves honor, the name of God. Jesus taught us to honor the name of God when we pray. Okay. Did anybody anybody know about uh, Dr. Mudd in the story of Abraham Lincoln? I never knew that story. Not many people know that. And I've often wondered why people would use that expression of, boy, your name is Mud. <laughs> Never associated the two. I heard it a lot when I was growing up, and I wonder where it came from. Now I know. <laughs> okay. What's the point? Our prayers are driven by the desire to honor God. Okay, our prayers are driven, driven, moved by a desire to honor God. Let's remember that as we go through our study today. Father, we praise you for the one who is worthy of all praise. We praise you, Father, for who you are and for the tremendous mighty works that you have done. Guide our thoughts today as we study that in your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's look at the first passage we have. We have two verses uh, for the first reading, and that's Matthew 6, 9b, and Psalm, and Psalm 96, 1 to 3. Just let's read the verses, please. Someone go ahead. Your name be honored as holy. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name, proclaim his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his wondrous works among all peoples. Okay. Look at the first uh, verse. Uh, Matthew 9, sorry, Matthew 6, 9b. Hallowed be your name. This time has to do with setting someone or someone apart that is different with an attitude of reverence. When we, when we begin our prayer, <coughs> Jesus instructed us to honor our Father with that phrase. In this portion of his model prayer, Jesus showed us how to acknowledge God as Father when we begin to talk with him. How we approach our Father makes more of a difference than we may realize at first. It's tempting to start by telling God everything we need. When we do, our view of him diminishes to the point we lose sight of the honor he deserves and our view of ourselves inflates so that we nurture a bloated perspective of our needs and ourselves. In other words, we go before God with the gimmies. Forget about who God is and what he's capable of doing. Jesus taught us to approach God with a reverent awareness of his holy name. When we focus our attention on God's name in prayer, we're drawn to what his name means to us. 
when we reflect on the meaning of his holy name, the truth about his character, his authority, wisdom, and power become much more vivid to us, much more alive to us. When we meditate on the holiness of his name, we are removed, we are removed to honor him as we would not do otherwise. We begin to grasp how he is set apart from all his creation. The name of the Lord reminds us that he is completely different from us. He is altogether set apart. In other words, he's holy. And when we approach somebody who is great, we honor them. Don't we? If they have a title, we honor them with that title. Um, uh, Mr. Uh, President Trump was saying in an interview the other day, uh, he's still trying to get used to people calling him Mr. President. Um, when people call him friends, he's no, and he's Mr. President, he says, I'm just Donald. Uh, yes, Mr. President. Because they honor him because of the office that he holds. Psalm 96. And verse 1, he says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. This psalm offers us some keen insights into how to honor the Lord as holy when we pray. Applying each insight can render a noticeable difference in our prayer lives. Verse 1 prompts us to sit up and take notice of God's great name by praising him. We are challenged to express the honor he deserves by singing to him. God's people sing a new song. It's new in that it's stirred by the fresh work he's done in our lives. Our new song underscores his gracious ways among us and his incredible changes, the incredible changes he has made in and through our lives in the midst of others. Along with his people, his creation, all the earth has been directed to join in the new song of praise. The evidence of his remarkable work around us or around the world, throughout the universe, fuels praise to him. When we think of what he has done, what one hymn writer says, uh, the heavens declare the glory of God, firm and displays his handiwork. Verse 2 says, sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Verse 3, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. Do we do that? Do we? We should, we should right? We should. As we sing to the Lord, we are directed to focus our complete attention solely on his wonderful name. <coughs> when we fix our eyes on him alone, the features of his perfect power, wisdom, and authority become sharper and clearer to us. When he, be, when he comes into view in that way, we praise his name with renewed minds and sincere hearts. While we bless his name by singing to God, we also praise him by talking openly and freely about him. His salvation provides us with the words to our song and the content of our conversations. When we make his salvation through Christ a part of our daily discourse, we bless his name. Because God has saved us, glorifying him always remains a primary passion. <clears throat> to glorify God implies that we cast the light on him 
and call attention to the weight of his, the weight his name carries in our lives and in the world. When we declare his glory to others, we eagerly put a light on him so that they will turn to him and nothing else. We want to proclaim his name to every people group and every nation in the world. Don't we? Because that's the only way people are going to get to know who he is if we declare his majesty and his greatness. Okay, look at question number two. What are some ways we can honor God's name as holy? What are some ways we can honor God's name as holy? Certainly not use it as a slang word. Okay. You know, some people just use that word like they would, you know, anything else. Flippantly. It's slang, you mm -hmm. know. And then, um, certainly not use it as a curse. Mm -hmm. So it should only be used in a way that honors him and no, no, way, no other way. Okay. All right, let's look at the paragraphs uh, beneath the verse that we just, the verses we just read. Someone go ahead and read that, please. Some forms of prayer are easier than others. For example, most of us find it easy to ask for our own needs to be met or to pray for the safety of our kids. But not everyone feels as confident when it comes to offering certain, the offering prayer. Mm -hmm. A church leader, Sheepishly confides, confided to me that praise was the most difficult part of prayer for her. I'm sure she was relieved when I agreed. Unfortunately, praise doesn't always come easy. In the model prayer, Jesus directs us to place praise at the beginning of our time with God. Jesus could have said much more about the subject, but he chose only one core value of praise honoring the name of God. These words serve as a model for all future prayer. Praise. Sorry, praise. Mm -hmm. When Jesus taught us to praise, he did so by exalting God whose name is honored as holy. We are not praying God's name will be made holy. Instead, our prayers are to acknowledge his name is already holy. Once we recognize what praise is and begin to practice it, Praising God begins to flow more freely. Psalms 96 is a good example of a declaration of praise that exalts God's name. We exalt his name in three ways. Number one, sing a new song. In the opening verses, we see the exuberance of the psalmist as he prays the Lord. What do I mean by exuberance? The psalmist urged, urged, urged us to sing a new song to the Lord. This is a call for the whole earth to praise. Number two, bless his name. Praising God entails more than singing. We also bless his name. The word bless is related to the Hebrew word for kneeling and not surprisingly, it can be translated as praise, a salute or a door. We also read in the Bible that God blesses his people which imply bestowing his favor and benefits. We in turn bless God because of his greatness, power, and love. We praise and honor his name. Number three, proclaim his salvation. 
One of the greatest things God does is reaches, reach down and brings us back into a right relationship with Him. He saves us. We honor Him as we declare His wondrous works among all peoples. Okay, so we have uh, three uh, points there that, uh, three ways we can exalt God mentioned in, in this passage. Uh, a new song, uh, bless His name, and tell His salvation. Let's keep those points in mind uh, in an applicable way as we think about how we can praise God and how we can honor Him in praise. In the next verses, we see that not only does prayer begin with a desire to honor God, but also His splendor and majesty calls us to honor, calls us to honor Him. So let's look at that, those verses. Verses 4 to 6. Just read the verse. For the Lord is great and is highly praised. He is spirit above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Okay. For the Lord is for great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. And there are people who have all kinds of gods that uh, we can think of. They don't call them gods, uh, but they are gods by how they treat them uh, and how they are they respond to them in almost acts of worship. So verse 4, the psalmist offered some rock-solid reasons for wholeheartedly praising God. Can't beat those reasons. When people compared the glory of the Lord to the actual weight false gods carried in their world, they would notice a huge, a tremendous difference. With such a comparison, the, the, the idols would become smaller and smaller while the living Lord would become greater and greater. If they measured his greatness in terms of sheer might or in terms of importance, people would have no choice but to declare that his presence made all the difference in the world. The comparison between the Lord and idols would render another critical distinction. People would normally not worship the false gods in a spirit of healthy respect and loyal love. Instead, their worship would be characterized by nothing but horror or dread. On the other hand, when God's people come into the presence of the Lord, their worship would be marked by godly fear. Such fear meant they recognize his ultimate authority in their lives and their need to take God very, very seriously. However, it also meant that they, they understood God loved them with the perfect father, loved them like a perfect father loves his children. Notice verse 5. For all the gods of all the peoples are worthless idols. What it says about the Lord? But the Lord of heaven, but the Lord made the heavens. 
So the psalmist give, gave us yet another point of comparison. And you know the psalmist like to do that, right? They like to make comparisons, compare this with that, compare the Lord with the idols or the false gods. So you have a, a clear distinction. The pagan gods had been crafted by hands of worshippers out of pieces of stone or wood or whatever other materials they can come up with. Each idol literally had to be picked up, placed in prominent spots so everyone could worship them. They didn't even have the power to move, much less to help, heal, or forgive. You would think that that would be obvious, isn't it? Such an observation could be made about the Lord, could never be made about the Lord. He has proven his power by creating the universe they saw all around him, all around them. Even more miraculous, God made it out of absolutely nothing. Only Almighty God could have performed such a miraculous or miracle of creation. When we think about the Lord in this way, we find ourselves setting him apart and honoring his great name. While people in pagan lands might craft idols to worship, God's people worship him because he created them and not vice versa. His creation recognizes him as worthy of our worship. Therefore, we eagerly honor his great name as holy. Verse 6 has two verses that are significant there. It says, splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. This verse calls on us to hold the Lord on his throne. There we notice what's surrounding him. Two captivating features that stand before him like gods. Splendor stands there sending forth a radiant message about his honor. Majesty stands there as well, reminding us that we have come into the presence of divine royalty. And so splendor and majesty constantly abide in his holy presence. When we worship him, his strength and beauty emanate from him. His strength can be seen in his creation. However, we can also behold his power and his redemption of all those who trust him. He alone has the power to give life, not only to give it, but to take it. By providing the way of redemption through the cross, he exerts his power to give eternal life to anyone who receives the Lord Jesus Christ. In the same way, the beauty of his presence comes into view when we consider that he wants us to know him as our father. A parent cuddling a child stands out as something beautiful, but not as beautiful as the intimate relationship God intends to enjoy with his children. There's no beauty like that. Question number three. Where do you see God's splendor and majesty at work in the world today? Just the sunrise and the sunset. The sunrise and the sunset, okay. Creation. Can anybody else do, do a sunrise or a sunset? No. Only God. Rainbow. 
The rainbow, okay. The birth of a child. The birth of a child, right? Someone has said that when a person is given birth, they're between life and death. It's a miracle. Yeah, the living and the grave. It's a miracle. And many people don't think of it as a miracle. What else? When I'm snorkeling and I see these tiny little fish, you know, they're just amazing. Each one has a different shape and coloring. <laughs> and, you know, I think that's just one God made. And he's made all of these amazing creatures in the sea, mm. let alone what's above water. But mm. it's, uh, I'm always marveling at God. I'm awed at his creative abilities. Mm. The microscopic organisms. I used to go to Montague to swim, and there's a shark. <laughs> he disappears sometimes, or we know where. But it doesn't bother us because we still swim. Well, you know. You're brave. I mean, maybe better, but I wouldn't go on. Good for you, you're brave. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. When you look at the ocean, you see different shades, but you scoop it up and it's clear. Yeah. Going out um, on the airport road, mm -hmm. when you look over the lake in the morning, very early in the morning, it is calm like oh, a mirror, yes. like a mirror, like glass. When you come back in the afternoon, it's ripply. Yeah. There's totally different. Shape, whatever. Yes. Of the ocean. Okay. Not only that, the sea water is salt, but the fish is fresh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You never get any fish that's salty, eh? You have to season the fish. <laughs> whatever you get out of the sea, you have to season it. It lives. It's born. It lives. It breeds. It does everything in salt water, and it's fresh. <laughs> only God. What about how everyone is different? So hmm? the way that all of us are different too. Oh, yes. It's like okay. mm -hmm. everybody's But it's interesting too that you would you would often see someone who could be your twin somewhere. Yeah. Know, but they're different from you. They're different. They're different. They there may be a resemblance. They said everybody has a twin twin. And you could see someone who has almost looks almost like just like you, but they're different. Yeah. Fingerprints are different. Yeah. Boy, God is awesome, isn't he? Every single how many people live on earth now? What? Seven billion? <laughs> Seven billion. And every single person have a different fingerprint. Yep. Only God. <laughs> Only God. Think of think of how what kind of person Adam must have been when God gave him the job to name all of the animals. Imagine that. I don't think Adam ever sat down and scratched his head and said, I wonder what I'm going to name this one. That's right. Okay. All right, let's look at the paragraphs beneath that verse we just read. Someone go ahead and read it, please. Excuse me, it doesn't take many news shows, violent images of terrorism, or stories about injustice to feel discouraged. Discouragement can lead to a sense of being overwhelmed by the problems surrounding all of us. Fortunately, God has given us a way to remain hopeful despite the bad news everywhere. The path to a healthier soul is praise. 
Praising God not only honors Him, it lifts our spirits too. When we focus on the one who is greater than all, we gain the right perspective and we lose our discouragement. Praise the greatness of God. The psalmist knew God is greater than any of the false gods since they are mere idols. So he focused his praise on the greatness of God. People made these other gods, but the Lord made the heavens. How can there be any comparison between the two? <laughs> praise the beauty of God. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. In the same way, he reminds us to seek the God who is surrounded by such beauty. Splendor is a Hebrew word embodying the concept of someone's grand appearance. Translated majesty, glory, or even honor at various places in the Old Testament, the word always describes something of great value. The psalmist was offering an invitation for us to look at God because he is filled with splendor and beauty. In a world of ugliness and broken things, God is splendid. We pray to the God who is full of majesty, strength, and beauty. He is welcome relief for our weariness. The world is brutal. God is beautiful. The nations are merciless. God is majestic in his mercy. People are full of petty self-interest. God is full of splendor. Seeing God for who he is leads us to praise because no one else is like him. If we saw God as small, weak, or unpredictable, our prayers would also be weak. In fact, we probably wouldn't pray at all. Why would we if God was neither great nor glorious? Fortunately, the psalmist directs us to think much differently about God when we pray. He is powerful and majestic. God is worthy of our honor. Okay. Awesome. Look at the points that he makes uh, in this, uh, these statements. Praise the greatness of God. The psalmist knew God is greater than any of the false gods since they were mere idols. So he focused his praise on the greatness of God. Something to think about, isn't it? We've been just talking about God's creation itself because it depicts God's greatness. And then he says, praise the beauty of God. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in the sanctuary. In the same way, he reminds us to seek the God who surrounds us with such beauty. Question number four. Which of these qualities of God do you most appreciate about him? Of all the qualities that were mentioned, which of these do you appreciate most about God? I would pick his fellow with splendor and beauty. Assuming in the back. Yes. Mm -hmm. I thank him and praise him for redeeming me and redeeming me and redeeming me again over and over. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. With hope. Okay. Okay. Good. For his redemptiveness. Mm -hm
Okay, I'm going to really say which one of these qualities or do you most appreciate about him? I said the one, the one that he is full with splendor and beauty. Okay, splendor and beauty. All right, anybody else? I like the way that he never really gives up on you. Your mother, your father, whoever could give up on you, but he's not going to give up on you. He'll always be there. Okay. <laughs> Come back. He doesn't give up on you. But right. really, I don't think that you can really put a finger on yeah. any particular one that you can pick out and say that such and such a thing. I think that you're looking at a 360 degree and every time you take a breath, he's there. So I don't know if it's one of the correct. So there's so many qualities that are yes. so great that you can't really single any out. Yeah, there's a lot, but then according to what is said, mm -hmm. yes, that's why I'm taking it from. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. The next way to show out, show us how everything in our lives is to be an offering that honors God, including our prayers. So let's look at the final passage we have for us. Okay, go ahead and read the um, the passage, uh, 96, Psalm 96, 7 to 9, and also go read the, read the comments as well. Okay. 96, 7 to 9? Yeah. Ascribe to the Lord, you families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord the glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of his name. Bring an offering and enter his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Let the whole earth tremble before Him. How do we respond to the greatness of God? We ascribe, we give to Him glory and strength. His name deserve. We cannot make His name any more glorious or powerful. But we openly acknowledge He is full of glory and strength. He is worthy of worship. He is straight in holy splendor. His greatness shall cause us to humble ourselves before Him. Let the whole earth tremble before Him. As we acknowledge God's glory, we also bring an offering as a way to honor Him. Consider these ways. We are to bring an offering. Okay, next page. An offering of praise through him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of this, that confesses the Hebrews 13, 15. An offering of our possessions, honor the Lord which your possessions and with the first produce of your entire hearts. Hebrews 3, 9. An offering of our lives. Therefore, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship, Romans 12, an offering of our prayers. We tend to start our prayers with our needs and concerns and ourselves, the model Jesus gave us begins with the rest that God's name be honored. 
offered a prayer for God to be one who does not end there. We are to honor God's name with every single request we make after that. Even today, this visitors can see the virgin steps of the temple among angels in the Mount in Jerusalem. The last steps one used before entering this temple courts. These steps are deliberately irregular, irregular in size. The steps continue in a Haphazard. Haphazard. Method to the top. They most likely were engineered to keep a person from rushing thoughtlessly. Thoughtlessly. Thoughtlessly, sorry. Thoughtlessly into the presence of God. Staggered. Staggered. Slow. The pace of the worship of entering temple courts, giving him time to reflect on the privilege of entering into God's presence. In the same way, Jesus' model prayer calls us to focus on God in praise as we begin to honor Him. Okay, so it gives us a couple of ways there that we consider uh, uh, bringing an offering, bringing an offering of praise, uh, an offering of our possessions, an offering of our lives, and an offering of our prayers. Good points to keep in mind. Last question. How can we practically make our lives offerings that honor God? How can we practically make our lives offerings that honor God? In addition to what has been mentioned in those four already. By being obedient to Him. Obedience? Okay. What else? Being a good example to others. Okay, being a godly example. All right, because people are going to judge God by the way they see Christians behave, right? Like parents, uh, like people judge children by how, judge the parents by how their children behave. What else? Okay, let's look at, our time is gone here, but um, let's look at uh, how we can apply this. Hebrews 13, 15 is mentioned as one of those standard verses. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. Now, it's talking about praising God. Our lips can utter all kinds of things. Why not let it most of the time acknowledge praise for what God has done? Okay, so praise elevates our own awareness of God as few other activities can do. For this reason, and because God deserves it, we should excel in our prayer of praise. Choose one of the following activities. Offer praise. Every day this week, let a specific praise to God be your first words of the day. Now, for some of us, that's a normal thing, right? <laughs> okay, but for those who don't, that's a good one. List attributes. Make a list of every attribute of God you can think of. Take time this week to praise God using the entire list. 
Okay, that's a good exercise. And then thirdly, evaluate your request. Write out your prayer requests and evaluate them on whether they are focused on God's honor or simply what you want. And needed, as needed, adjust the way you pray so you are seeking to honor Him. In other words, according to that third one, don't go before God with the gimme's all the time. Lord, give me this. Lord, give me that. Alright, so we have three options there. Offer praise, list attributes, and evaluate your request. How will you seek to honor God with your prayers? One name above all others deserves honor. The name of Jesus Christ. Honor him through prayer and by sharing him with others this week. Great challenge. Now we got our marching orders. Amen? Any closing thoughts or observations? I would say we're very privileged to live on an island in many ways. I've lived uh, for all the years we were ministry, basically most of the years, we lived in big cities. Mm -hmm. Across from New York City, you don't see stars. I love the heavens, stars and all. Mm -hmm. um, because of the light, you just don't see them that much. Mm. When you walk at night here, when you go outside here at night, you see God's handiwork so vividly. Mm. I mean, when we're out walking, I can, I'll tell them that's there's Venus. And it was a few, <laughs> few nights there for a couple weeks ago. Mm. A few weeks ago, you could see Venus, Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, Uranus, and Neptune. And you're standing on Earth. Mm -hmm. It's it's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. Yeah, and, it's amazing. Uh, and they're always in the right places. They don't wander. Mm -hmm. Never off course. They can't. Yeah, they're, it's all ordained of God. But you don't see that in many places. But you can here. Mm -hmm. And and it's it's a it's a wonderful thing. It's a blessed place to be. <laughs> it's, 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 it's good. <laughs> What's up, Miles? Man, it's a place where God lives. 